Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of St. Matthias Anglican Church in Katy, Texas. Today's sermon was delivered by Father Jason Grote. In the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, time is certainly passing us by quickly. It's hard to believe that we're already... 50 days, nearly two months removed from Easter. I mean, no sooner did we get from Christmas to Easter, and now today we are celebrating the great feast known as Pentecost. And if you're not aware, Pentecost simply means 50 or 50 days, meaning it's 50 days following the resurrection of Jesus. And as I said last week, Ascension is always 40 days after the resurrection, and Pentecost is always 50 days. And this particular feast isn't just a feast in the New Testament church. In Old Testament times, it was a feast that was held 50 days after the Passover. It was called the Feast of Weeks, because it was the day following a week of weeks, meaning seven full weeks of seven full days. Or to think of it another way, it was a Sabbath of Sabbaths. And in particular, it was a feast of the first fruits of the spring harvest, and one of the three major feasts commanded by God to be observed by all Jewish men. But it's not simply that it was a, a harvest of the spring crop. But it was also based on the fact that 50 days following the Passover, the people of the exodus from Egypt arrived at Mount Sinai with Moses. It was 50 days after the sacrificing of the Lamb that God declared these words from Exodus chapter 19. He says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And it's not unlike God to continue that pattern, especially knowing that the Old Testament structure was a shadow of that which was to come. The whole of the Old Testament is filled with things that pointed to their true fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so it is that 50 days following the feast of Passover, 50 days after the sacrifice of the true Paschal Lamb, Jesus Christ, that the feast of Pentecost is celebrated, when God speaks again through the person and work of the Holy Spirit. In one way, it was a a feast of firstfruits, as the first converts came to Christ, some 3,000 souls, as St. Luke tells us, and that was just the beginning. But we also discover that as God's presence lights upon the disciples turned apostles, we hear the Holy Spirit preach through Peter those same words of God at Sinai. To those who belong to Jesus Christ, to those who hear and obey his voice and keep his covenant, God says, you are my special treasure and a kingdom of priests and a holy nation unto me. Now, actually, Peter doesn't say those exact words on the day of Pentecost, but it is what we witness happening. And Peter will actually quote and say those very words from Exodus when he writes his epistles. It was the Feast of Pentecost, a major feast, 
and a most important feast, as evidenced by the great display and events of that day. Cloven tongues, fire, a mighty rushing sound, talking in tongues, and so on. One commentator wrote this regarding that day. Quote, We may never know precisely what happened on that day of Pentecost, but we do know that it was one of the supremely great days of the Christian church. For on that day, the Holy Spirit came to the Christian church in a very special way. End quote. And I think that it's important to stress what that commentator went on to say. The context of Pentecost, the descent of the Spirit upon the apostles, is not to be understood with the thought that the Holy Spirit wasn't somehow present before this. The Spirit was indeed present with David, who prayed, Take not thy Holy Spirit from us, which we say in our daily offices. The Spirit was indeed present as the prophets were filled with the words and the law of God in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit was indeed present at the foundations of the world, hovering upon the deep, forming that which the Father declared through the Word. So it's not that the Holy Spirit is something new, as though the the Holy Spirit was somehow created or something by God after Christ ascended. And it must also not be understood that the Holy Spirit had been somehow sitting and waiting for his turn. As though the Spirit was a, a forgotten member of the Godhead family. Hanging out in some other room in heaven. And so the father, father finally said, okay, now it's time for you to come out. The Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Of the same Godhead. Existing and present from all eternity. And at work throughout the history of the created world with both God the Father and God the Son. But yet we know, as the commentator said, that the Holy Spirit came to the Christian church in a special way on the Feast of Pentecost. And from that moment, the Holy Spirit, the promised comforter, the great strengthener and giver of life, became the dominant reality at work within the life of the church. In the life of Christ's bride. The accomplished work of redemption in the person of Jesus Christ. The great victory over death in his resurrection. Would now be realized through the life-giving Holy Spirit. And this is both in the individual Christian as well as in the corporate church. As individuals were, were buried and risen anew in Christ. And as we are buried and risen anew in Christ, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live according to that new life in righteousness. We're brought into a nearer and deeper relationship with God by the Spirit. Even so much that that the Spirit himself speaks and prays when we ourselves don't even know how to pray. Or as we groan, the Spirit prays. Or as we cry, the Spirit prays on our behalf. But the work of the Spirit is not to be thought of as only in the individual sense. Within the church itself, the Spirit is at work, such that the church would be prepared and preserved as the holy and righteous bride of Christ, such that the church would be fitly knit together as the very body of Christ, such that the church would be built as the very temple of God. 
And through the ministry of the Spirit-filled church, all the children of God in Holy Mother Church are reared and raised in the righteous ways of God, most especially through the Word and the sacraments. So, if we were to say this in the short form that Jesus himself does, the Holy Spirit both preaches and effects the work of Christ in the world. He guides into all truth, as Jesus said. He convicts, he quickens, he equips, he sanctifies, he preserves. And all this was actually different from the Old Testament in one sense. It was different in the sense that the Old Testament looked forward to the reality of Christ, which had not yet come. The means of redemption was not yet realized. But now the reality of Christ had come. And that accomplished work of the incarnate and risen Savior would be proclaimed to the whole world. And we discover this in the great detail that's provided for us in Acts chapter 2. The people proclaimed, we hear them preaching in our own tongue. And I'm not sure if you've ever meditated on this before. But those who witnessed and heard the apostles on that original Pentecost were primarily people who were in the holy city of Jerusalem to celebrate that Old Testament feast. That means that most, not all, but most, would have spoken the same language of the time. Or at least one or more of the prominent languages. The Jews would have known their Hebrew or Aramaic, and everyone Jewish or not would be familiar with the Greek. Yet Luke tells us that they heard not in those languages but in their own dialect, whether that was Parthian or Phrygian or Pamphylian or any of the other wonderful names that Jake had to read for us in Acts chapter 2. The point is, is that it was in their own birth tongue that they heard the gospel. It was in their own dialect that they understood the great and mighty work of God in Jesus Christ. And this is why we often speak of Pentecost being the undoing of the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. As at Babel, the tongues of the people were confused and the people were dispersed. So at Pentecost, the nation's tongues become united by the Holy Spirit in the work of Jesus. You see, in microcosm, on that single day, the gospel was preached and heard throughout the world. And what happened in microcosm would be what would happen after that day. As the gospel message would go out, being preached throughout the entire world as it was carried from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth as Jesus had promised. And St. Luke is sure to tell us this is the ministry of the apostles and the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. The tower which... They build is not a tower of Babel built by men to reach the heavens, but is the tower of heaven, the temple built by God himself so that men may ascend to heaven. That same commentator I quoted earlier would continue in the first 13 chapters of Acts. There are more than 40 references to the Holy Spirit. The early church was a spirit filled church, and that was the source of of its power. The Holy Spirit would give birth to the Christian church on Pentecost and from thence guide the church into all fruitfulness and multiplication. And friends, that same Holy Spirit is present today. 
continuing the work begun on that day of Pentecost some 2,000 years ago. And beloved, that same Holy Spirit will continue that same work and that same ministry until the day that Jesus Christ returns and all is fulfilled. The Holy Spirit is still at work. Pentecost is still amongst us. The great harvest of souls is still being reaped. Let us not discount the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us not disregard the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let us not downplay the witness of the Holy Spirit. For it is solely by the Holy Spirit that we are brought near unto Christ. It is solely by the Holy Spirit that we are formed in the righteousness of Christ. And it is solely by the Holy Spirit that we can conquer the world with the truth of Jesus Christ. So let us pray this day and every day for the presence of the Spirit. Let us pray this day and every day for the ministry of the Spirit in our lives. Let us pray this day and every day for the power of the Spirit in the work of the church. Such that at the day of Jesus Christ, our knee and every knee shall bow. And our tongue and every tongue shall confess that indeed Jesus Christ is Lord. We pray that God's Spirit has spoken to you and blessed you today through this sermon. If you would like to learn more about St. Matthias Anglican Church, you can visit us on the web at www.stmkaty.org.